What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It presents Marvel's Pair Up, What If, and the History of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if you think that's a long title, you're right, because regular (laughs) listeners will know that the podcast is called Hollywood Already Did It, and even more regular listeners will know that this is a spinoff show of our main channel, where we look at every single Disney Plus show, along with a pair up of a history of a genre, television, whatever suits the nature of that show. So of course, during our journey through What If, we are taking a look back at the history of Marvel's own cinematic worlds before the MCU, as far back as 1944 and as far ahead as whenever movies and TV is out consecutively again. As always, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And Jamie Girard. Hello. And we are here in week two of Marvel What If, the probably most anticipated episode, a sad and solemn episode in many ways. Uh, We are, of course, talking about episode two, What If T'Challa Was Star-Lord, the, uh, I believe, the last recordings of Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace. A very tough episode to watch at first, but incredible. What did you guys think of the episode? How did everybody feel? Uh, I loved it. I, I, I was smiling from ear to ear when I wasn't tearing up, which was a weird thing to go back and forth. Um, hearing his voice again did bring, because I, I have not watched Black Panther since his passing, which is something that I used to watch really regularly. Uh, so this is the first time that I actually, outside of the uh, my Rainey film, this is the last, first time that I've seen anything that he's done. Uh, so that was kind of triggering a bit, but it was this was a delight. Unlike the previous episode where I think both Jamie and I sort of had an issue with the show, the episode almost being a one-to-one of Cap 1 with just Cap Carter as the as the replacement. This feels like there's a huge divergent. Once we get the opening sequence of Gar- Guardians, it goes completely left and becomes a completely different thing. You start seeing a different nebula. You st- Thanos, bless his heart, is just out here trying to tell everybody his story. Like, yo, I got this idea. And they're like, it's genocide. Like, no, 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 no. It's random. No, it's random. <laughs> It's, that's great and like this show had fun with like let's just flip everything on its head but at the same time show that like hey there is a purpose like you because you may not be at home home is where like family which is part of what guardians is but family and home is always wherever your heart and whoever you're around and it's interesting to take what chadwick or t'challa who was so important to wakanda take him out of that but still leave the lineage and how importance of home and, and family and, and all that w- within that story and it felt really good i will say it made me a little sad because i in addition to chadwick not being there we're also on i'm under the impression that the way that they're doing black Panther two that we're also removing t'challa which sucks because i'm sitting here thinking like oh even if he's not Black Panther, T'Challa should still be there just because as a Black man, it is important to have somebody who looks like that and who is that regal and that important just present. And so it's just, it's kind of like, ah, this might be the last time I see T'Challa, period, which wasn't fun. Yeah, it is. I agree. It's, it was very bittersweet because uh, it's, you know, it, it, it's been almost now a whole year. And so just getting something, one extra little bonus thing of him is quite special, but it's still, you know, it's so sad. But as an episode, it, it, I agree. It was, I liked it so much more than the first episode. Um, uh, it's still, I, you know, the show just in general, I, I think just isn't necessarily for me. Um, I'm realizing that I just think that something that 
live action to animation it just makes me wish it was live action um i prefer my animation to just be its own a separate thing yeah but that's okay i mean it's still fun i love multiverse stuff and yeah this episode for me was all about thanos i was dying just like him at the bar <laughs> just like trying to explain no it's genocide uh <laughs> i really enjoyed that bit i thought it was really good and just getting some like classic voices back like benicio and and, and michael rooker and stuff was really was really fun and it was see, fun to see like a whole new nebula who was a little you know less traumatized and a little more like loosey goosey. And I read that um, it was uh, Karen Gillan's idea to, to call T'Challa Cha-Cha. Uh, and uh, that was a fun ad lib, just cute stuff like that. Um, it was fun to be in that world. So, uh, so I definitely enjoyed this episode a lot more. I agree with everything everyone's saying. It was, I have since watched Black Panther and it was incredibly hard to do. Uh, as with a lot of this, of course, this episode also was one that at midnight I was like, I need to watch it just because I don't want to read anything. We're not really having like spoilers this time, but I was like, I want to feel my like raw emotions <laughs> at midnight because um, I knew that that would be a part of it. I almost was like, part of this is going to be a very sad, somber experience, and then I'm almost going to have to watch it again to really watch it. But I also loved it. I liked it about as much as Captain Carter, but I loved Captain Carter. I, this is, uh, I am the opposite of Jamie here. This is another show that is clearly for me. I love when my live action goes to animation. It reminds me of being a kid. I loved seeing RoboCop and then suddenly a RoboCop cartoon would exist or Back to the Future or any of these other weird areas. Some of the best stories in Star Wars are in animation now. And I, I love having a Marvel version of that. This episode two opened with um, Owatu's incredible quote that I'm going to butcher of like, we're going to really examine is who you are based on your nature or the, the, or are you born out of the nature of your environment? It almost became a like, well, who are you based on where you are? Less right. so of like a different choice. This was really like, well, if T'Challa was in space, who would he be? And as a result, who would everybody else around him be? And because of that, you then kind of get the complete opposite of Star-Lord right from the jump. We have this great moment of, well, there's another name you know me by. And this time it's, I it's Star-Lord. I'm a huge fan. The work <laughs> you do, he steals from the powerful and gives to the powerless. And it was a little bit like, oh, there was a lot in that opening scene. I felt like we were doing kind of the like joke fighting. It almost felt like an episode of Archer. And a part of me was like, is this going to be the whole episode? Are we going to be this like over the top and jokey? And once we sort of got through that, I loved everything else. I'm a sucker for a good heist, putting the team together, watching us still kind of connect some of the themes that make Guardians of the Galaxy so unique about family and about fatherhood. Still seeing Yandu have these small moments of like, I'm coming back for my son and this is the family you made and you belong up here and we took you. And granted, there are some small things where I'm like, you realize you had the wrong kid and you weren't like, let's bring him back. Yeah, he immediately <laughs> was like, cool, let me teach you some stuff. <laughs> T'Challa was a little forgiving about a lie. I will admit, I was like, that's a pretty deep lie to just like forgive and now we're all gonna come together and be okay, but. 
Well, it was interesting because they did make him like perfect in this. He is a like the most perfect person. He can convince anyone with the right argument to get on the right path. He's incredibly forgiving and it is almost a little it's how i think people feel about ted lasso right now a show that i love but i see a lot of tweets that are like he's just too good of a person and i'm like no we need somebody we need to be too it. good we of a person you know it's it's funny because i i feel like t'challa it has was always sort of that honorary person that that, that that did all the things that were hopeful and faithful in the comics unfortunately we have not been able to see him that much in the live action version so we don't really know how good of a person t'challa is because we've only got that small part of Civil War and then his film. Well, you sort of get there in the arc of Black Panther, the final scene when he goes and is like, we're going to give all this to the world. Correct. But yeah, it is very unfortunate that we don't get to see this. Or we we might, I don't know. We might, yeah, I, who yeah. knows. But it was kind of fun seeing a character that is like this hyper-realized Robin Hood who is able to sit down and be like, well, hold on. But I also like the Thanos of it all to me was very interesting because... He's changed, but he still talks enough about the plan that a part of me is like, how much has he changed? He, right, he could still flip. Like and what, we now have a power stone, isn't he kind of, and then, you know, some of the threads you are like, who is he getting the power stone for now? And who is Ronan working for, if not Thanos? Like there must be somebody else there's gotta be somebody because The Black Order was active and badass without Thanos puppeteering them so that that was interesting too it almost seemed like the collector fit that role now yeah i read ac bradley the um the the head writer made a comment like the cool thing about making thanos better a ravager is that if there's a power vacuum and now there's all these other things that you can do with it and i also one thing that i have to bring up because it was amazing was peter quill working at the dq <laughs> Well, that's the the interesting thing about both of these is they've sort of given us a version of the character that's like, I don't want to say better, but better. Like Captain Carter's almost a better Captain America than Steve was. But by the end of her story, we now have this multiversal monster unleashed. And at the end of T'Challa's, it is like, well, he's done everything so well, but ego is now unchecked. And I'm like, for every little... Like they did such a good job of wiping out these minor and these major threats when everyone was the way in our timeline that now these like gargantuan ones right. are like now ego in theory is going to be able to just destroy the just, world. Right, he's going to get Quill on the side and just destroy No him. way that we're going to not have a second to this episode because you don't get Kurt Russell to just say one line in a booth. It was so wild to me because there were Nate like deny is on there for as for 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 uh for Koyo and then and then Kurt Russell's name popped up and then Kurt Russell like you said the whole episode goes and like Kurt Russell's name was on the credits where oh just wait for one line and Owatu kind of makes a point of being like but you know for all of this something bad is coming and I was like well that's a weird kind of just like thing to stick but, there yeah but so who knows? Like I, for all we know, season two is going to be. But I even loved the collector. We got this almost like old man Logan Red Skull trophy room where he's got Cap Shield and Mjolnir. And talk about another moment where I was like, I want to see him fight with all of these weapons. I want to see all of this. It is making me wonder if the twist of this show is going to be that it is we're following one world, and that like the without T'Challa, Killmonger is able to go help Tony. Captain Carter is doing something else. And there will be a zombie outbreak at some point. Because nothing's checked, yeah. 
It could be. Because so far, nothing is showing that these are separate multiverses. This Other than be. my own assumption. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, front to back, st- continuing the great animation, continuing to just make me wish that these were all like feature length. Because I was like, well, I wouldn't know why he's called Star-Lord because he doesn't have that name connection. But I like that it's there. And I want to know where Gamora is and Groot and Rocket. And where, where did everybody else land? And I want to see all of these things. And even like when you see all the Earth relics, I'm like, well, what happened? What happened to our guys? <laughs> like, right. Is there something yeah. else that happens to Wakanda without T'Challa there? Like, does T'Chaka not go? Well, that was what's interesting because it seemed like when he returned at, at aid, now granted, this still could have technically happened before the events of Civil War, but it seemed like T'Chaka is just still there as the king and, and running around as Black Panther. So, like, I think we should assume that it would still take place during like Guardians 1. Right. So it would be like right before that. It's like Ultron would be showing up soon. Mm. Yeah. That's that's where it gets interesting when you start watching these what ifs. It's like, okay, where does this take place in time? Because on our Earth or our multiverse, these things would have happened around there. And you're like, ah, I start pulling these threads, and I'm, I want to know more. I want to know more about what's happening I, around. It's what Marvel does the best. They keep you being like, but I want more. And it's not <laughs> a detractor to the show or the quality. It really is just like, but I, but it, it's so good that I want. This could have been huge. Yeah. But enough about a time when Marvel did very well. Let's turn the clock back to a time when they didn't. Um, Obviously, this is not going to be the part of the show where we get into some Marvel history. Last week, you may remember, we sort of ran through from 1944 all the way up to, to 2021 with Captain Carter. We won't quite be doing the same thing with this one because there is only one Black Panther movie. There are only two Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and they're all tied in the MCU. But if we go down our timeline, our little merry fun, we did a lot of Captain America 1944. It only makes sense that we come back around to Marvel's first attempt at a theatrical release since 1944 Republic serial of Captain America. I am, of course, talking about the 1986 movie, uh, a timeless classic (laughs) held in the hearts of millions. Without this, we would know so little about Duck's genitals. And with it, we know more than we ever wanted to. I am, of course, talking about Howard the Duck, directed by Willard Hayek and starring Leah Thompson, produced by Gloria Katz, and of course, executive produced by the man himself, George Lucas. Before we get into the relatively straightforward history as far as making a movie goes, Jamie, this was your first time watching Howard the Duck. Yeah, I can't believe I'd never seen it before. Um, you know, what a, what an insane ride. You know, the first like 30, 40 minutes, I'm like, this is dumb, but fun. And then it just gets like, oh, it gets so stagnant and boring for a while. And, and then it picks up kind of at the end with the like scorpion monster. Um, but overall, I mean, it's it's a terrible movie. Uh, but there were moments like when she, Leah Thompson goes into Howard the Duck's wallet and pulls out a tiny condom. And I laugh for a full minute because one, <laughs> why is the condom unwrapped? But mainly, it's just so tiny. 
society. And uh, and I think that we'll be discussing this uh, just in terms of like, who is this movie for? And 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 I was thinking about this, watching it, like it feels like it could be a kid's movie, but it gets so weirdly sexual. Yeah. Like why, like, like Leah Thompson is like trying to fuck this duck. And it's so bizarre, and the and the duck is creepy. And I read that George Lucas spent two million dollars on that duck costume. Which is- well, Jamie, not only is there the duck costume that cost two million dollars, but because of how hard the timeline was to make this movie, there was something around like 12 duck costumes because they just had to have so many for the day. Some of them didn't fit the actors. Some of them would malfunction. And they were lucky if they got through like a duck costume a day. So somewhere like the E.T. Atari games buried in Arizona, there is a graveyard of duck (laughs) costumes. Of just ducks. Oh my God, that's horrifying. (laughs) He was really creepy. And it's funny because I looked the guy who, who plays him um, I looked him up and, and he is was a stunt double for Chucky. And Chucky's like my biggest fear on earth. And I'm like, no wonder I was immediately take, like off put by- he, He's done Chucky the whole time, pretty yeah. much, that whole run, uh, yeah. By Howard the Duck, I'm like, no wonder, because this is giving me Chucky vibes and I do not care for <laughs> And I am not a fan. <laughs> uh, it's funny with this movie. I So I had seen bits and pieces of this movie throughout his entire I had not watched the entire thing all together at one sitting until uh this morning what's funny is I used to watch this back in the day uh at night it used to, because this is a bad movie they would just throw this on like late at night and right when I'm about to go to bed so I would cut it on and I'm watching it like I was like saw the playbill thing I was like all right I don't know if I should be watching like I'm child wise like I don't know if I should be seeing this like it's I'm amazed point. that you had that wherewithal because when I was a kid, everything like, I wasn't what supposed to see, Luke? I was like, let's do this. Let, I'm in. <laughs> um, I forgot the duck tits in the, yeah. in the tub. At the very beginning, yeah, at the very beginning of the movie. And you're just like, okay. And then I fall, and I always remember falling asleep. I just don't remember the rest of the movie. And so then I pick up pieces in here. So this is the first time that I watched it in its entirety. And Jesus, this is a nutty, nutty flick. Like, this is nuts. And again, like Jamie sort of alluded to, I don't know who this film is for because it's weird. It, and they, it seems like they had some issues because they wanted this to be a family film, but there's definitely jokes in here that they need to pick a lane. You're either going all the way in and going like the Deadpool route, which we'll talk about, or you're making this a family friendly kit. And this weird thing in between that they've kind of come up with makes like this is for no one. Neither of these are 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 are, are part of this. My one thing that I want to say because the voice of Howard the Duck is very just one note and not good i think if you're going to have a character like that he needs to be like there needs to be something special to him originally the the voice was robin williams he dropped out three days after filming because he was like i because you know he he's very animated and so he will want the duck to do certain things with the way that he seems like and i can't he's like i can't wrap my my brain around syncing my voice and what i want to have done doing to that because i feel like i'm in a cage so he just walked off set and that's when they called the other guy in literally it's like yo there's a ticket for you at the airport get over to this booth now we need you to fly so robin williams was going to be howard the duck wow what and then just left yeah (laughs) would have been better yeah but again like like without the face it's yeah but uh if if only they could have perfected that two million dollar duck that duck was not it i mean the movie cost estimated between 30 and 36 million and it made like 30 million which really, when it's like, ah, oh, it's one of the worst movies of all time, I'm like, there are movies that have had worse box office runs than that. Yeah. Um, 
but what can you do? I agree with everything everyone has said. I, I don't think I'm adding anything new to the Howard the Duck conversation when I say that it's hard to watch. It misses the mark. It's weird, but not in a fun, zany, weird way. That it's not like it's off-putting. That we don't. Re it has this bizarre tone that you're like, should I be laughing? Is this like a a proto Ted movie or was this for kids and did they even know who Howard the Duck was? Were they trying to do some weird, like, well, you know, everyone's got a duck. Donald and Daffy are out there. And <laughs> we got to get our own Duckman. And then there's Duckman, who's an animated show. And it's it's not good. Nothing about this movie is good. The last I time I tried to watch it. enjoy Tim Robbins. I will say that. Yes. Yes. He's in a very different movie than every, I, I, I think everybody's in a different film. I like, feel like Leah is still dealing with like some Back to the Future. Like no one is in the same film. And that's what makes this weird because they're doing three different styles of comedy, three different styles of movies at the exact same time. Well, you also have like a George Lucas who, you know, I like the prequels. So forgive what I'm about to say, but we should have seen it coming. <laughs> like whenever people are like how did George Lucas go from Star Wars to this I'm like there's Howard the Duck is in the middle of those trilogies and clearly the man was like this is what we're doing I'm doing it I'm doing I've got to get weird aliens I've got to get more special effects than story and people should have voices that you shouldn't be doing because it's offensive <laughs> you, you know what shocked me though was that the beginning is very similar to the opening of what if it yeah. is I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, this really pairs nicely. Because when he gets, he literally gets shot through other universes and there's a voiceover being like, in multiverse, yeah. there's a thing. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I feel like what if took this from Howard the Duck? Yeah. It looks similar. Yeah, I think it's very, I don't want to say that it did, but yeah, you know, it is very, it's like clearly that was the way to do it. Like this it's, was the way, because nobody the kind of thesis that we're going to get to is like people started trusting the property. And I think clearly when you watch Howard the Duck, these screenwriters, these producers, this director didn't trust this property. And we had to figure out why he was on earth. We had to get him to earth. We couldn't just have this duck exist. Just be there. Right. And we had to do this like over explanation that I feel like existed with a lot of superhero movies up until around the MCU and like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. There was always this sort of over-engineering of like, well, here's why it works. And here's why it makes sense. And here's why, and I think what really kind of, you know, took that away were movies like Batman 89, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. And that sort of laid the groundwork for us to get to X-Men and Spider-Man and just be like, we're here, deal with it. We're just here, yeah. Like there was this very weird time where it's like we had to do this like 35 minute intro that wasn't just an origin. It was like, no, this could happen. And, it could happen. And That's... this movie spends a great deal of time trying to explain Howard Duck's Howard the Duck's presence. Like the whole opening sequence, like, all right, we get we get him to Earth. And then we spend a good 30 minutes of what is not really a script, but we spend about 30 minutes of whatever the hell they're gonna call this, trying to explain in, in scientific terms a duck coming from one planet to another guys it let it just be like it just is let's get to the let's get to the, the point of this well it's quickly. like you know thank you for smoking didn't exist yet but they really needed somebody on that movie doing the the line that was, well people can't smoke in space oh we'll just have some sci-fi line thanks god we invented the, 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 the now we can enjoy our cigarettes in space like that's yeah. all this movie needed i'll yeah. thank god for the duck transmorphizer and we'd be like we got it he's here cool 
he can survive we got it i Understood. also think it's so bizarre that like everyone on earth had such different like so many people were terrified of him which is like why he's just a little duck but then some people were like it's a kid in a costume and some people were like i want to fuck that duck it's like there was no there's uh, no normal like, like or, yes. or consistent response to seeing a duck and the, and therefore like i that's sort of to the point that if we just like we're okay with this duck we say that there's a duck here i think that would have made everybody including the audience a lot more like all right cool howard the duck is here but now you're i'm waiting now trying to see what everybody's reaction is but oh this this waitress just said that that's a kid and a duck how, how does that make sense and then she comes back later like oh wait it's not even halloween i don't know why i thought that like yeah it doesn't make sense well we do it so well in spider-man sam raimi's spider-man has a full montage where they're like what do you make a spider-man and some people are like he's a menace he's a hero i'm gonna fuck him like we go through all of that in like a 30 second montage and then we're just back to spider-man but how would the duck has to do it like it's this like socio-political issue and we have to spend like minutes with everyone really being like so this duck for ducks <laughs> but so the, yeah, the movie is not great it obviously was not received well and what's crazy is if you turn back the clock a little bit to american graffiti where for some reason george lucas wrapped up production on this movie american graffiti and it was like we got to get this duck movie made and it, he seemingly understood the property as I think George Lucas, I'm a big George Lucas fan. I'm a big apologist for a lot of the prequel stuff. I think he's a very smart man if he's not the best director. I don't think you can take away his business savvy in keeping the action figure rights <clears throat> in saying exactly who those Star Wars prequel movies were for. They were for kids. Jar Jar is important. This is what we're doing. He at least got what he was doing. Execution notwithstanding. But... <laughs> He just kept praising this, this comic for being a satire, being a dark noir, being a surrealist adventure, having these underlying tones of genre spoofing. So he was kind of with it. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, they optioned this movie to Universal, who, as we discussed in our last episode, had a long television deal with Marvel. This was going into movies. So that, that's who you went to at the time. And they said, yeah, let's do it. George is contracted to make a movie. We need something for the summer, which made the turnaround time quick. And George, of course, was like animated. We got to make it animated. And they were like, you're on the leash for a live action movie. Right. And he was like, well, great. Then we're just going to show off what ILM can do. Because that's who he is. We're going to show it off. I love a director that is sometimes just like, we got to show him what we can do with right. this. Look at Avatar. That's a movie that's like, it's fine. Yep. But like the te they hand painted these wings. They're creating a world. You cannot take away the technical prowess of Fern Gully live action. It's yeah. fine. Here we are again without the giant box office. <laughs> so he decides to make it live action. And then of course, as they're writing this, they're like, well, we gotta change this duck. He's brash, he's rude, he's coarse. We gotta make him a nice, lovable duck fine this then leads to a script that is less focused on the duck the story the satire and is now all about special effects which again very prequel george lucas to be like crank up this is what yeah. it's about this is what we're doing 
They remove all the surrealist, satirical elements and instead decide to pack it with all the supernatural stuff we've been talking about in this weird proto, like Seth MacFarlane humor that's just like not Seth MacFarlane at all. But like that's, there's probably somewhere a duck tit family guy cutaway joke that oh, seems easy. very up the alley. Yeah, that's right on brand. Yeah, like, the, but his would be, it would make me laugh if he did it. <laughs> and I know that. <laughs> yeah. We go through this, then the, the duck itself becomes like the hard part. First, we're going to make it all CGI. It doesn't work. Then we're going to make it a puppet. We can't get it to move the way we want to puppet it. So then, as I said earlier, this graveyard of ducks, we, we're going to stick an actor in a suit that takes like three puppeteers, animatronics to move. And some days, because we're rushing this thing through production, the suit's not going to fit them. There's one where it's like when he opened up his neck, you can see his mouth. So just right in that, you know, you can't do that. It's very bizarre, yeah. It's crazy that we had this much trouble and like what four years after this we've got four turtles running around well that's what body suits. that's what's funny about this movie because they, they they're having a hard time with the ducks but then at the same time they on the whole back half of this film they do claymation and stop motion with when they get the dark order guy i'm like well what is happening the moment where the where he his tongue comes out into the cigarette lighter that was really awesome it was like, yeah, like you could tell that they yeah. like you could tell that's when you're saying like with special effects is what they were doing because mm. they almost became like Ghostbusters-esque in the back half of this film where you're like all right we're gonna do the tongue thing we're gonna light it up we're gonna get kind of sort of body horror and then like all right now we got claymation and stop motion we're going all in but like, guys 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 this movie is still about a duck can we can we get there can we well, fix that part you know the movie I often reference Ghostbusters Batman 89 and the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie as these like this tone that we don't really do anymore. It's like kind of for families, but it's very adult. There's a little bit of horror. The effects are this like mix of practical and animatronic and they're weird, but they kind of like, the joke isn't that there's four turtles running around New York. The story take, they take that seriously. Ghostbusters right. takes the ghost seriously. Correct. It made me think of like Dick Tracy in terms of like, yeah. like in not like Dick Tracy got there really well. Like what was that? Like uh, four years later, um, mm -hmm. like Dick Tracy really works uh, in, a, in a way that like Howard of the Duck could have worked. Yeah. And I think it's like Howard the Duck is like the 80s Super Mario movie where it's like the Super Mario Brothers movie was trying really hard to be Turtles, 89 Batman and these other movies that I've listed, Dick Tracy, these like almost like pulpy adult before kids but similar to this one the mario brothers movie is like what the joke is the plumbers man that's right. what's funny and it's like no 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 that all needs to be handled with realism and seriously the comedy comes from other stuff and then your production you're building a weird world that we want to live in not one that we're all like pointing at and be like oh yeah i feel like there's a three there's a three movie like I almost put them in a genre by themselves of like, we horribly got this wrong because we got the, we took the wrong thing. Howard the Duck is one of them. We mentioned the other one. And then Masters of the Universe is also in that same boat of like films where you, you took an IP, pick what you wanted to, and then said, hey, screw all that other stuff. We're going to make a family friendly, friendly film and piss off everybody. But we got special effects, right? So the biggest problem, of course, it's received terribly. Everyone's ripping it apart. The producer had a quote of like, well, I don't know what they want. It's a movie about a duck from space. If they don't think that's funny, it's not for them. I also have a quote from the creator of the Howard the Duck character, Steve Gerber, 
Gerber, Gerber, who says, the biggest joke of Howard the Duck is that there is no joke, that, li that lives most, yeah, that life's most serious moments and the most incredible dumb moments are often distinguishable only by a momentary point of view. So it's like these stories are satirical and parodies and deal with like social issues because the joke is that it's not a joke and that we're only really looking at Howard through our point of view. He's either weird, an oddity, a hero, a villain, and we're kind of using that as this other method. This producer just was like, it's a duck. Right. Laugh at my duck. <laughs> and what's crazy is this same producer we're talking a lot about not knowing your audience and before i tell this story i want to finish one thing on the special effects that it is cool and historic and it's that the wire effects to launch howard in the beginning are done with wires that we filmed we removed in post which was the first time we did those kind of wire techniques which if you've ever seen the leaked version of x and origins you know exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> But this technique was then later used in Terminator, Back to the Future, The Matrix, this wire hanging stuff started with Howard the Duck. The same thing was used for his feathers when he became aroused, which is a sentence I never thought I would say, but here we are, <laughs> saying it and using it as the foundation for The Matrix. Uh, <laughs> insanity. So a lot of actual like technical prowess came out of this movie that we used forever. Unfortunately, like with Avatar, technical prowess only gets you so far. You still need a good story, a compelling character, and to know your audience. Speaking of not knowing or caring about your audience, the, reportedly the movie did very well with test screenings. And eventually the producer cats claimed that they took all of the negative cards from every test screening and destroyed them so that they could just go back and say, well, we got a 95. We're good here. We did it, which is baffling to me. That is insanity. you got to figure if you hired a theater of 400 people to see your movie and then you get only, what, 150 cards back? Somebody should have been like, there's a problem right. here. Right, right. We're missing three-fourths of its audience. I, something's wrong. And it's then you have to also realize that at some point, regular audiences are going to see this. It's going to come back that this movie is not, they, like, the parallels don't match. Why would you admit it later? <laughs> <laughs> Just ride that train out. Like, well. <laughs> In case we have any like new listeners, this is Blake and Terrence's job is yeah. test screening stuff yeah so. this is yeah we're we're the ones who collect the cards which is just <laughs> it's just insanity for me to think of like you would notice if a bulk of cards were just gone uh which is just it's just wild to me and what's also crazy is that when this movie bombed and this just shows you how bless his heart how sweet george lucas is he was just like i'm going to still keep pumping money behind this and still keep getting behind it because one day people will realize that this is a good movie george you are wrong they did not <laughs> they did not. Uh, none of the actors got work after Leah Thompson yeah. took a movie she originally said no to just to be like, I got to get something. I got to get something. Yeah. Uh, what's his name who later rounds his face balls only got that role because Mel Brooks was like, get me anybody who is in Howard the Duck. If they're doing that <laughs> movie, they'll do this. <laughs> that was the logic. <laughs> Why wouldn't they do it? Uh, which is bonkers. Absolutely is bonkers. Yeah. So the movie either doesn't know or doesn't care about its audience. And I think the reason we're gonna connect this outside of just our own history, Howard the Duck of course appears. 
as we said, the movie comes out, it's still considered one of the worst movies of all time, a financial bomb, nobody liked it. It sits at like a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes to this day. And unlike other movies, there really isn't a cult following for it. Most people are just like, they made a Howard the Duck movie and it sucks. Yeah, and people, I think, think of it fondly for for wild reasons because, oh yeah, I remember this and this. And there are, there's some, I'm not going to lie, there are some audiences that are like, all right, cool, that was a cool movie. Or like 25 years later, there's some type of rose-colored glasses. But it's not nearly the, the, the extent that most films that become a cult classic have. No, I mean, if this was playing at Quentin Tarantino's New Beverly Cinema, it would be easy to get tickets. Correct, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And it's uh, it's interesting because they kind of, like then, you know, I think the next theatrical Marvel movie is Blade. I want to say it's Blade. I think Blade is the next. Yeah, um, that's that's how much of a dent this this did on on that concept yeah. of Marvel properties. And this is like Marvel Comics is doing well right now. Movies are doing well right now. We're in the middle of the '80s. Like this, this really is a stinker. And you know, we don't see Howard the Duck until his appearance in Guardians of the Galaxy, when he just sort of shows up at the end, much more comic accurate uh, for one silly joke. We were going to get this Hulu TV show to cross over with the Modoc show written by Kevin Smith, which has quietly been canceled. I'm assuming because Marvel has their own plans. Yeah, once Marvel Studios sort of took over everything, all the TV stuff basically got wiped out. I like that Modoc show, though. Would have been okay with an R-rated Howard (laughs) the Duck crossing over with it. Would have been great. Always love that Howard the Duck is is in the Avengers Endgame battle. I think that's pretty beautiful. Yeah, we snuck him in there. I love that. He's right behind the wasp when she <laughs> comes out of hers for people who don't know. Um, although I think that's a Easter egg people um, are very aware of. But who knows? Who knows? And yeah, then we get him in this what if for again, just a moment, still a better moment. Happy yeah. hour just started. All of his lines are funny. They're all on point. So I think that brings us then to kind of what we're talking about here today. Because now as these movies evolve, we get Blade, which I feel like not enough people talk about, but we will get to. You then get to the X-Men, <clears throat> a movie that is incredible. I'm not here to say anything bad about X-Men 1 or 2. I will say some bad things about other ones, though. But those were two movies that got it. They understood their characters, they understood their themes, they understood their story. But we still aren't putting them in the costumes. And it really wasn't until Sam Raimi showed up that they were like, do it. Really do it. Colorful costume, this almost 1960s vibe. He's talking like he's right out of one of those old classic comics, a tone that it has these horror beats, but kids are seeing it. We sort of around 2000 finally really clicked into gear on what these superhero movies were. And that isn't to say that the Batman movies didn't exist or that the Superman movies didn't exist, but Batman Forever, a movie I like, and Batman and Robin, a movie I don't like, are considered to have ended that franchise. Superman, The Quest for Peace, we stopped even trusting those IPs. We're now living in a world where the theatrical releases of superhero movies are are second fiddle to their animated counterparts. And then Sam Raimi shows up, Spider-Man swinging around. We do that for three years until that kind of loses its way. We do action for else that loses its way. And then Iron Man, Batman begins show up. And we now have creators in the seats who are like, these are movies for everyone. 
but it also means that some of them are different, but we got to mm -hmm. get these characters right. We have to realize what made them last in the comics for decades and infuse it into here. We did it with Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. We made him a character that we cared about with a real arc. We did it with Captain America. We haven't done it with Howard the Duck. But I bring up this movie specifically because this what if move show episode brought us the combination of two properties that people also didn't believe in much. Guardians of the Galaxy in 2014 and Black Panther four years after that. I remember when Guardians was announced and everyone was like, eh, it's Avengers in space. This is when the superhero movies are going to falter. And instead we made a movie about family and love and friendship and Star Wars was relatable and we all loved Drax and we made Rocket and Groot. And that was the first movie that I think a lot of people were like, well, we made that work. We can do anything now. Which is yeah. crazy. And then of that course, Black Panther showed us that if you believe in your audience, they're going to show up and make you money. Yeah, it's funny that those two things are were so like you and I. We were both like that was the time when uh, Guardians one was the audience one. Everybody's like, this is when Marvel's going to lose it. Like after everything, like ah, they're not going to. That's not going to work. A talking tree. This is going to going to fail. And that came out like gangbusters. Uh, but then you're right. You you do something like Black Panther and in throwing even though she's not a part of this one, but she fits into that. Captain Marvel fits into that too, where these characters are not that huge. But the audience you get with you give them what they want, and you are. Uh, stick to what the character is actually about you're gonna knock it out of the park and both of those were billion dollar franchises so like maybe you should stick to the comics because they've been doing it for so long they kind of know what they're doing and just like listen to people like yeah. black panther was an example of like if you treat this with respect and you treat this audience with respect if you treat this hero with respect you will have a movie because I feel like what happens to the studio space and this is changing over time but there was so long where they were like well, we don't know about these diverse leads. And it was yeah. like, well, they're they're here and they will show up for your movie. Yeah, they also have money. There's a, an interesting thing uh, that Kevin Hart has a TV show now and Taraji P. Henson was just on there. And she was like, I have been told for so long from everybody that we don't sell overseas. Like black people don't, no one sees us overseas. And she's like, and I went out there just for an interview with, for, with uh, Empire. And I was getting stopped on the street and they weren't saying cookie, they were saying my name and not even bringing me movies and related to Empire. They're bringing me like Baby Boy, stuff that I was in ages ago. And I'm like, hold on. I was always told that there wasn't an audience out here for people who look like me. Someone was lying. And clearly with the way the Black Panther exploded, that was a lie. Yeah. So Jamie, what do you think, uh, what do you think we missed the boat on with Howard that we got them right later with Guardians of Black Panther? Um, oh gosh, you know, uh, technology, that's always kind of a go-to answer. Uh, although I think that if they tried to make the live action Howard the Duck today, it would be even worse because it would be, a, I don't like CGI main characters like that. Um, I, I, I think that he will, I think animation is, is a good choice for him. Uh, and I think that's why like seeing him in What If was really fun. Uh, and it'd be fun to see more of him in that, in that way. Um, but it's a weird character, you know, he's, and, and like you said, like Groot, Talking Tree, that's weird. Talking Raccoon is weird. But when you add the nuance and you add the heart, it, 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 it can work. And, but with Howard, they just, like, like the way, when you were saying earlier about how they wanted to remove all of his crass, crassness and everything, but they surrounded him with, with a crass, atmosphere and so it's it's like they 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 expelled his personality and clouded it around him 
and and it just was terrible. They, they made him very bland, mm-hmm. but made the tried to make the world around him sort of fit in with that. And I was like, oh, you're you're you got the wrong thing here. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't I don't think I have an issue with the animatronics. If you do it good, mm-hmm. I mean, Tur- turtles luckily had the Jim Henson house uh, working on that one, so that sort of helped. <laughs> if you're gonna do that. He's the that's the that's the house to go to for for the for that for that show. Um, I think I think Howard the Duck should be along the lines of Deadpool as far as being like it should be R rated and he should be like sort of meta, um, but more so a satirical meta. Like I'm I'm picking picking stuff that's happening and kind of just being a, a thing about that. I don't necessarily know if that works in movie format. Maybe like a HBO series or something like a, a, an adult series show up in live action, but I think that's sort of where he's where he's calling out stuff and calling out BS and being satirical and being R-rated, but not this isn't he's not for families, and I think you just kind of have to let Howard go and be that rude crass character and and stop trying to like toe the line. Yeah, I think if you kind of got some weird like Who Framed Roger Rabbit meets Ted, mm-hmm. like if you sort of smashed those in together and you just were like. He's a duck detective. I think the quote from the comics is always like, in a world he never made. And I'm like, yeah, I think you got to lean into the noir detective stories and then use that as the backdrop for the satire, the genres they were making fun of. But it's interesting when you see kind of how these audiences evolved and how the studios then have changed how they've put out things as that audience has evolved. And now, you know, you get weirder, crazier, bigger ideas because we are trusting the property. I don't think there was a time a couple of years ago where we would have been like WandaVision will work or even Loki or like any of these shows. And now it is sort of like, well, everybody else is doing it. And like when you take, you know, this what if episode of T'Challa and Guardians of the Galaxy and you take the things that made both of them work, this, you know, I always like the idea in Black Panther that was in the trailer, there's the tagline of like, you need to decide if you're gonna be a good king or a good man. And it's gonna be hard to do both. And it's like, this kind of takes away the like kingship from him and lets him fully be a good man. Mm-hmm. And it still embraces the family themes in Guardians of the Galaxy and smashes those together to be like, this is an unstoppable force in the universe now. This like beacon of positivity that's just going to (laughs) echo through everybody and inspire everybody around it and it's a very interesting look at like well when your environment changes who are you going to be and who are you at your core that then like Howard who he is at the core in that movie then has to react to this world around him but we didn't have anything in his core Mikey recently said and it's it's so sad but that uh, Chadwick loved like loved this version he got to play of T'Challa and they were, and they even talked to Ryan Coogler about taking elements from this What If episode. And when it was, you know, the original Black Panther sequel, they were going to take some of his uh, his characteristics that they showed in this episode and, and expand on those because of his goodness and everything. And it's it's just it's sad that this is all we're going to get to see of that. But the fact that it exists at least is something. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy when you talk about Howard the Duck in this episode. It's like, we've come so far from this terrible animatronic duck movie and we're now blending two ideas that even like audiences for a while were like, I don't know, we're doing Guardians now? Like this is, what are we doing? 
the, the all the ideas that felt like they were like the bottom of the barrel become the ones that are like even ant-man i would say ant-man was like that too a lot of people were like we're doing ant-man really that's the character we're gonna do and now you're like oh i love paul red one of the best ones and it's <laughs> it's such a unique thing when you look at this movie and just how little seemingly everybody besides george lucas believed in this character and it really yeah. gets into kind of the like the studio filmmaking where it's like we need a summer movie it needs to be for everybody but when you set out to make a movie for everyone you make a movie for nobody and just a, a fundamental misunderstanding of why this property was even brought in front of your desk in the first place yeah like it, it's so strange that it took us in four years in in three years they'll have made batman 89 and uh, ironically another one where tim Burton was like the origin is dumb we're not yeah i'm gonna it. do my own thing i'm gonna do my own thing over here Screw still it. but at least tim burton had a vision and, and he stuck to his vision of what he was going to do and that's what the difference whereas this was like 75 people are in there kind of mixing a pot of just crap built by a committee that believes they're getting 95 percent at test audiences <laughs> <laughs> baffling yeah. i still want to get another howard the duck show i feel like we're not done seeing this character we're definitely not done seeing the guardians i hope we're not done seeing black panther and i think that's our episode guys i hope you enjoyed listening i hope you're enjoying what if don't you don't need to go see howard the duck but it is on peacock if you really want to see those duck bits there's a good dance number at the end of that for sure. reasons yes. why not <laughs> who cares <laughs> I, I love George Lucas's filmography because every time he's like, I did Star Wars. It's like, this guy wants to do some weird shit. <laughs> and I think we should let him do some weird shit. <laughs> uh, you can, of course, leave us a review and subscribe to either the YouTube channel or the podcast channel and then follow the show at Hollywood ADI on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at, as always, Blake. Jamie's at Jamie Cinematics and Terrence is at Terrence Tatum. I do another podcast called How Do You Figure About Toy Collecting? We do another show called Hollywood Already Did It. You're already here. That is just movie reboots, remakes, and sequels. I believe by the time this is up, next week will be uh, Candyman. Mm -hmm. Terrence, of course, does all the trailer reactions and other movie reviews on our YouTube channel. And Jamie has all of her work at comicbook.com and is often on the Phase Zero podcast. Tomorrow morning, my Shang-Chi review is coming. Keep an eye out. Great. Can we ask you how it was, or do we have to wait for the review to go up? It's great. <laughs> i'm so excited uh so stick with us we obviously have more coming next week i believe is what if loki went to earth instead of thor which means we'll probably still be in universal marvel world with a uh, thor and those hulk crossover but eventually we'll get to those sweet sweet thousands and we'll figure this thing yes. out <laughs> so stay with us we'll talk to you guys later bye later Thank you.